What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 10 of the True North Talk Show, featuring featuring, featuring Peter Burnett and myself, Joseph Staten. And this episode, we're, we're kind of going to shift back towards um, what we were doing for a long time. We had a, a really good guest last week, uh, Pastor Mike Burnett, if you guys missed the last episode. But it's just going to be me and Peter this week as we're prepping for another very special guest next week. But in this episode, we kind of wanted to um, touch on a, a section of scripture that really stood out um, to me and Peter. Um, we'll be talking about John 3, specifically 31 to 36, and um, separation you know, between God and, and earth and the authority of God's message and you know, kind of like eternal life versus like God's wrath. And we're going to go further into that. But just to start us off, Peter, why don't you, uh, you know, give, give a few pointers and just general ideas you have for the show. Yeah, I think you kind of you covered it pretty well. I think what we're going to be talking about in this episode is how um, God's ways are very separate from the way that the the earth views things, and um, we'll be diving into John chapter three verses thirty one through thirty six, um, and then kind of going further into that. There's a part of it that talks about the authority of God's message um, and how His message is is truthful. Um, and it also talks about the power that, that has been given to, to Jesus Christ, his son. And then, yeah, finally kind of we'll be, we'll be wrapping it up with talking about the, the choice that, that all people have between, uh, choosing eternal life or, or God's wrath and what that means. Yeah. And I see on the outline here, we have, um, a few different points in order, but what stuck out to me right away is something I want to start off with was, uh, the authority of God's message. Um, what really... What does that mean to you? What does the authority of God's message mean? And, and what authority does it hold in our lives? Yeah, I think um, I'm trying to find which verse it's from, but while I'm doing that, um, which verse specifically from this passage. But basically, I mean, it's just talking about how, um, you know, that the words of God are are the truth, that the um, the testimony that, that Jesus Christ had um, of his perfect life and death um, is, is absolute truth. Uh, and I think that's, what's important and what we're going to talk about more here in this episode, because, um, a lot of times, you know, the world kind of has this phrase like, oh, just, just live your truth. You know, your truth is, is what'll, what'll win the day. And it doesn't really matter what, what other people think about it or what other people's truth is, as long as you have your truth, um, and you live by that. So, I think again we'll kind of get into that maybe a little bit later, or if you want to right now we can we can dive in a little bit more. But I think that's that's kind of what I got out of like the authority of God's message and just that at the end of the day, when when all else is debated or people have different viewpoints and stuff like that, at the end of the day, God's God's message is the ultimate authority. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to comment on um, that what you just said about people saying they have their truth. Uh, you have your truth, your truth, whatever. I don't agree with that at all. I think that's a really big problem because there is the truth. There is an objective truth. Um, everybody's worldview, <clears throat> everybody has a worldview, right? Um, as Christians, we have, yeah. we have a worldview. It's based on, on the Bible as the, as truth, but look at other, other people that have the worldview as far as like atheism or agnosticism or, um, you know, what multi-theism. Some people believe in multiple gods. You have new age people, but they all have a worldview. Yep, or, or people who, who, who kind of mix, who mix everything together to, to suit what they, what they want to believe in. Yeah. And they, and if you listen to what they say, they may say, oh, 
there's no objective truth. There's no one God and there's nothing I base my ideology on, but that's not true at all because the moment they say to the Christian, um, your God is not the real God. Guess what? That's an objective truth they believe in. And you can't have it both ways. You can't say there's no objective truth. There's no uh, single source of truth uh, that provides the world with reality and an objective basis to operate on without acknowledging that you yourself are using an objective truth. So I think it's important to under, to explain that concept. Um, like I said, because we our worldview with the Bible, with being Christians, it's based on the Bible. We, and we acknowledge that we openly say it, uh, the authority of God's word. And that's right that point that i wanted um to start this start the show off with but yeah if you would if you want to go ahead and read john 3 31 to 36 so we can kind of preface uh the episode and just give some context to what we're going to be talking about exactly yeah um so again this is you know for those who want to pull this up um while we're talking on the podcast or if you want to go back and read it later this is john chapter 3 verses 31 through 36 the one who comes from above is above all The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on them. Yeah. So right away, do you see a parallel there with another scripture? Because it's it's jumping off the page at me. Um, especially which verse part thirty-six. Just kind of the whole thing. Yeah. Definitely there. Yeah. John three sixteen. Right. Whoever believes in the Son has exactly. eternal life. The the first the first phrase. Yeah. I mean, literally earlier in the same chapter. Yeah. Yeah. So, what? Um, I know we're going to get more into it, like we have our bullet points here and just ideas that we want to talk about, but just off the top, um, what sticks out to you from that, um, those five verses? Um, I mean, a lot stands out, and I know we kind of put an order in the, the outline that, that we have, um, but I would say I think probably the most important thing to me, I would say, is the... I guess I would I would say the first point that we talked about. So maybe we can go in depth on this one first, since we already brought it up, and that's the the authority of God's message, and then kind of tying into that the power of the Son of God. Um, I think that part is most important to me, because again, like I said, there's so much, I guess, contradicting uh, theology, whether that's Christian or obviously other religions, like like. Islam or Buddhism or atheism, whatever you want to label, you know, anything that goes against what, what the Bible says. But, um, I think this, this establishes that the ultimate authority is, is God and his message. Um, and then, yeah, it's, it, it, this kind of fits into the other bullet point that we have, but that like it's, it says here, he testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Um, that's, kind of hard to hear I feel like and obviously it's probably can you read that one more time just so our listeners understand like can hear and understand it yeah verses what 32 and 33 yeah yeah he testifies to what he has seen and heard and again this is 
I'll read the end of verse um, verse 31 where it says, the one who comes from heaven is above all. And obviously um, that's just referring to, to God, the, the Holy Trinity. But again, then verse 32, he, and this is speaking of the one, testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. And then going in 34 kind of puts the stamp of approval on the authority of this message. It says, for the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the spirit without limit. And it's important, too, to give some context here. So this is John the Baptist um, and basically um, giving his account in some ways of, of Christ and how we can identify uh, like like it says here, um, whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. So us accepting Christ is certifying uh, the truth of God's authority and His and His Word. Um, <clears throat> and I would echo everything you said already about this. Uh, the reason I actually even wanted to to talk about this is because I was in church and I uh, we're going to, going through John. Um, we're in John three right now, and uh, this specific passage really stood out to me. It really hit home. It was very powerful. Um, we didn't spend the most time on it, but just for some reason it did stand out to me and because there's just so much, so much to dive into here, but yeah. So why don't we go ahead and talk about separation between, you know, God and earth and like that law, that line that was drawn here. Like, what did you see with that specifically? Like, how did that, uh, present itself to you? Yeah. And this, this kind of ties in again, also to the authority of God. Um, because it says, I mean, the very first few words of this, of verse 31, is the one who comes from above is above all. Yes. I mean, that's if there's nothing better than that that says, that talks about the authority of God. Um, and, and it says the, the one, one who who's from, from earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from exactly. the earth. Stark difference there. Exactly. And so then, exactly, there's a very, very prominent difference there. And then that kind of gets into um, the next bullet point that I had, which is that. You know, kind of. I think we kind of talked about this. I mean, we kind of have hit on this in different ways in several different episodes. I think we might have had one where we specifically talked about like the ways of the world and how a Christian can kind of navigate that. But this again here, the the second half of verse thirty one, what you just said, the one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. Um, so that's. I mean, that's referring to to us as human beings in our imperfection, um, and in our, in our separation from God is that. You know, we belong to the earth before before Christ, before we accept Christ and he saves us from our sins. We belong to the earth. And it says speaks here, but you could also, you know, and I don't want to add words to scripture or anything like that, but just, I mean, it functions the same way saying like he's, you know, one who's from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks and acts and, you know, put in other adjectives or, or verbs in there um, as one from the earth. Right. And being from the earth, we are all of the earth, right? I mean, we are human beings, so right. we fall into that second category. But I think the the difference there was because, like I said, John was describing the difference um, between himself and and the Jewish people and God. It's like they he wanted to make sure, like we underline the difference there. You know what I mean? It's very important because we have the Son of God um, coming onto earth, and we. <laughs> we can't expect that he has any sort of humanity. I mean, besides the fact that he is a human being, we we cannot. He couldn't describe Jesus as a man and only a man. You know what I mean? He had to, he had to make sure right. that that was that difference was made stark and clear. So it's like no, 
the one who comes from above is above but that, all. That's also that is also what's kind of beyond our understanding is that you know, and it's easy to say this, it's a lot more difficult to kind of understand it, but at you know, while he was a one hundred percent God, Jesus was also one hundred percent man. He still had the the temptations that we do. Obviously, he didn't fall to those um, as we humans do on a daily, uh, on a daily, you know, multiple times daily basis. Um, but That's an he, interesting he also, subject, dude. That, that is a very interesting yeah. point because, like, how <clears throat> imagine being one hundred percent human being, a one hundred percent human being. Um, Having we, we can only imagine the that. thoughts we have, but then also right being fully capable of overcoming those things, like exactly how <laughs> because right. just the and that's that's what makes the story of the story and life of Jesus so special is because it's almost unfathomable for us. Yeah, because the daily things that we face, you know, the the mm-hmm. even the small sin. It's like I mean, I guess no sin is small. But yeah, you do have to be careful when you say something like that. But yeah, I, I get yeah. what you mean. This the e- I say maybe I would say like easier sins or what we what we would consider to be smaller sins. Like the, I, the more, I would say more maybe the more like the more regular. Yeah, the, like the ones that happen on a daily basis. The ones that are, and then this is where the problem starts. They're a lot easier to excuse because they're quote unquote not as serious. Well, you and have, so that's that's where things can get dangerous with those too. Let me quote. First John one nine. Um, if you confess your sins, he will forgive you, forgive you of your sins, and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. What does that mean? That means mm-hmm. that we sin unconsciously. So when we ask God for right. forgiveness, because we're born with a sin nature. Yeah, and we do things that we don't even realize are sin. So, exactly. Maybe I shouldn't have said smaller sin, but just sins we either do not. No, but I, I get what you mean. It's just I think it's important. I think it's important for you know people who aren't familiar with or haven't grown up in the church like you and I have to to kind of clarify what you meant by that it's not necessarily like quantifying them Mm-mm. um but just but just you know the ones that are easier to fall into the ones that happen like you said unconsciously no it, it is important to underline the fact that no sin is small sin you know the right. wages of sin is death god takes sin very seriously right. if we are aware of any sin in our lives we need to do everything we can to repent and turn from the sin so Right. No and, and there's small. and I I should do better when I when I say stuff like this of actually trying to like remember where it's like referenced, but I know there is a scripture that says something like no sin is greater than another. Yes. Um I'm going to research that very quickly. Um okay. let's see. I don't have time to look that up, so we'll get to that later. But yeah, going back to the original point of uh, separation between God and earth. Not only is there a separation between God and earth in the form of humanity, but also you look at the other differences between the earth. I mean, the earth itself is an imperfect place. We have natural disasters. We have, um, it's it's just a fallen world all around. It's not just necessarily humanity even. And right. that goes to, you know, that, and we could even talk about the new heaven and the new earth that are going to come one day when Jesus fully establishes his kingdom on earth. Uh, but just that separation, that distinction that was made is not only just between human beings, but it's also God is above this world. God is outside of this world. Right. And his ways are... Well, that also that also is because, you know, because of sin. That's why the earth, um, it says somewhere in scripture or um, like the earth, the earth like groans... 
because of sin, the earth groans groans for God, and that's why, you know, when 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 God was cursing Adam and Eve and the serpent after after Adam and Eve sinned, you know, he he said like I, I just looked it up right now, Genesis three, like the second half of verse seventeen to Adam, he said, "Cursed is the ground because of you." Through painful toil, you will eat fruit food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. Um, and so that just shows that, you know, that that talks specifically about like, you know, the growing of food and stuff like that. But that applies to, like you said, like natural disasters and everything else that, everything else bad that happens in in the earth. And and also in that message in that small amount of wording is also the hope that Christ gives us because even though this world is different, it's it's separate from God. The ultimate punishment, excuse me, <clears throat> is eternal separation from God. So that line that John right. is drawing there between earth and God, it's like it exists. We're human beings, but with Christ, we can hope that one day that there will not be a separation between the place we live and the place we dwell and God. One day we will be united with God, and that's the hope uh, in that message. So. That's one hundred percent. No, that's very evident. But um, yeah, so why don't we move on to here to second point about you know the world and and the one's testimony and I mean what what were you thinking about about that? Yeah, I mean I think the the part about about the world kind of ties into what we already talked about about like the ways of the world and the separation between between the world and and God. So I don't think we have to dive too much into that. But I do want to talk about like the one's testimony and obviously like you said earlier this is john the baptist talking about or is it john the baptist or is it john who wrote the book is he is he quoting john the baptist here i think it might be the gospel of john he's quoting john the baptist okay yeah either way a, a, a biblical john here is talking about um in verse 32 and when he says he he's talking about jesus he testifies to what he has seen and heard but no one accepts his testimony yes. whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful for the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God for God gives the spirit without limit. I think, I think verse 34 to me, and I want to hear your opinion on this, this next, even if it is in, in, in agreement is I think 34 sticks out most to me because you know, the, the one again, that's talking about Jesus here, whom God has sent speaks the words of God. So everything that came out of Jesus's mouth was almost like, you know, it was, it was like a good game of telephone. You know, you play the game telephone and you have the miscommunication. But in this case, it was it was a perfect connection between um, the words that Jesus said coming straight from what, what God the Father um, wanted to be said. And then it also, I mean, this this verse kind of ties up the whole, the whole trinity here. And then it talks about how God gives the Spirit without limit. Obviously, that's talking about the Holy Spirit and kind of talking about how without limit, you know, we have a constant feed and access to, to the Holy Spirit. And so I think that's a very powerful verse, but I'd like to hear of, again, 32 through 34, what sticks out most to you. Yeah, so I'm just going to read it one more time. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the spirit without limit. I think the very end there sticks out to me, like God gives the spirit without limit, because people think that... Um, there, I've heard sadly so many times people think that God is limited. They put limits on God. Um, for example, I've talked to people and friends of mine that um, 
they're going through situations or struggles or mental health situations, um, anything like that. And they put limits on God that he cannot bring them out of it. And I think Mm -hmm. the end of this verse here is very powerful. You know, God gives the spirit without limit. What is the Holy spirit? What does the Holy spirit really mean? Like, what does it mean to have that? Because to me, it means the full power of Christ is living within us. It's what convicts us. Mm -hmm. It's what leads us and guides us. It is what, you know, allows us to have a relationship with God. It's what allows us to not have to go into a temple and sacrifice like we were talking about last week. The blessing of um, Jesus being being our priest, our high priest that we go to. We don't have to have a temple. We don't have to go to confession. And Hmm. that could, well, we do. We go to confession with him, but we don't have to go, you know what I mean, to a priest and, and sit right, down we don't, have to, we don't have to go to a, a catholic confession you know, to a catholic chamber confession right yeah so that's that's what sticks out to me is the end of that verse um it's it's fully i think embodies what it really means that jesus came and i also think it's easy to uh forget about um just going to church every week you know just uh going to groups every week and reading it's it's easy to lose you know we get in all these nuanced conversations about certain subjects and topics like i don't know like just going through the motions pretty much that and you get into the details so much that it's almost like you miss the forest before the trees you completely forget the main message of the gospel and that's that jesus came and the power Mm -hmm. of what he what changed when he did come so right that's what sticks out to me um did you have any other thoughts on that that's um section of of these verses no i thought i thought you wrapped it up pretty well i do want to just make sure we don't ignore verse 35 and that kind of goes back to talking about the this is the part that really talks about the authority of the message um verse 35 the father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands um and so that that also talks about you know one of the bullet points i have here is the power of the sun not talking about the the one that shines during the day obviously but talking about the the son the son of god jesus christ talking about how you know the father loved love it says you know it says loves because that it's 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 an active love um from from god the father to the son and then he placed everything in in jesus's hands and um, it's amazing so i think that's that's pretty powerful too it's amazing to read that in the gospel of john because going back to genesis 1 i remember um genesis 1 26 um, God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Mm-hmm. And yeah. <clears throat> that really encapsulates the full prophecy of Jesus. Let us make I mankind. I guess I never thought of it that way. Think about that. He says, let us make mankind in yeah. our image. Who is he referring to? Our image, yeah. It, like God. Him and Jesus. Yeah, the Holy Trinity. Exactly. Isn't that amazing? That's in Genesis yeah. one. I never really had thought of it like that. Yes. Yeah. And that's something that even Jewish rabbis and um, yeah, rabbis, I'm trying to think of another word for like, I don't know, prophets or something like that, but um, they have problems with that. They have issues with that <clears throat> scripture. Cause it's that clearly um, prophesies and leads to like the Holy spirit and Jesus, you know, you can't have hmm. God saying, let us make mankind in our image. If you're not at, um, acknowledging some sort of, multitude to his being you know and we know that the trinity is is a thing the holy spirit is real and, and jesus is real 
So we understand that, but it's just amazing to draw that connection from the very first book of the Bible um, all the way down to John. Mm. And I'm I actually first chapter of the first book of the Bible, yeah, yeah. And I did re- I did look up um, who wrote the Gospel of John. There's actually no author that we know for sure wrote it. Um, there are arguments that when it, it was it had to have been John the Apostle, right? Yes, but there's no like hard proof for that, and some people do suspect. Hmm. Um, I'm reading right now that some people suspect that John the Baptist could have written John. So I don't think it's set in stone. Hmm. So I just wanted to clarify that because we, even we didn't know that going into this episode. Um, yeah. And it, it's an interesting, um, detail to add in there. Cause if John the Baptist did write John, it would, I would have some other questions, you know what I mean? About other scriptures and how that played out. Kind of like when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, um, exactly how that was captured the conversation um and i don't know have you actually have you ever seen the the chosen tv series i actually haven't yet i still need to get around i've seen like parts of it but i haven't got around to watching it all the way through um there's a a part in that where uh nicodemus has a conversation with jesus and it's actually this exact conversation they have the john 316 um conversation in that show it's pretty amazing to see that Mm -hmm. and i think in that in that show, I think Matthew was like kind of eavesdropping, eavesdropping on their conversation, and that's mm-hmm. when he was writing it down. So I wonder, with the, the book of John, um, just what the story is on how that conversation was captured. You know what I mean? Like how was it right. transcribed almost? But yeah, well, I mean the other thing too is it's it's the you know the living the Bible is the living breath of God. It's it's. Uh, inspired by inspired fully by God so it's possible that he could have you know whoever wrote whoever wrote the gospel of John I'm, I'm gonna go out there and assume that most if not all of those written by John the apostle you know at some other point you know through through God maybe through like a, a vision or just by maybe by talking to Matthew obviously that's just an interpretation that Matthew was the one that was there that's what you know the one thing about those shows is that's not perfectly like it's not like this is like, oh yeah, this is exactly what happened. It's just, it's still just an interpretation. But however, however he got it, it's still, at the end of the day, the the word of God. Um, and again, going back to like the authority of God and His message. Yeah, and I don't want to like the statement I made about um, who wrote the book of John. I did a very very brief search about this just now. It's something I want to research more. Mm-hmm. So don't take what I said as like a, yeah. a solid standpoint. I just had you know the first few results was that there's not a solid. 100% answer on who wrote it. So I would be interested to, mm-hmm. to see really um, fully deve- dive into that and understand who wrote the book. But um, I think we covered a couple of the things you want to talk about pretty well. Just kind of the, the last point here about, you know, eternal life um, versus God's wrath. I mean, how does that tie into these verses? I mean, um, I think I it's think evident, it but goes, if you just want to give a perspective on that, because yeah. it's it's one of our points we had written down. Yeah, and I think I think it's because it's important to address this. Um, some of the other stuff is not necessarily more important, but more like discussable. This is pretty pretty cut and dry. It's pretty pretty self explanatory. So I'll I'll really read it, and then I won't add too much to it. Obviously, you, you know, feel feel free to add some yourself, but. This is John three thirty six. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, 
but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. And what that's talking about here is the thing that a lot of times we don't like to talk about in the church, but we have to, is that, you know, it's not just, you know, if you're a good person, you're going to you're gonna go to heaven. It's actually, I mean, the thing about that, a lot of people say say that, and it's almost like, oh, is it is it more difficult than that? But it's actually, it's even easier. All you have to do is is believe. That's what it says here. I mean, it's it's a perfect answer. Again, I don't have to add much here. Is whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever believes, you know, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know, that's you know, that's why John is such an important book. And I feel like John 3 might be maybe the most important chapter in the Bible because it just has so much, you know, it has the verse that everybody knows, John three sixteen, And then it also has this passage, among other obviously very valuable pieces of Scripture. But I think it's, you know, people like to be like, oh, well, why— why does God still still send, you know, people to hell? And I think, you know, it's because, you know, we're we're fallen, we're you know, we we sin. You know, like you said earlier, the wages of sin are death from from Romans and it's it's really just as simple as accepting that that what the Bible says is true that their, you know, creation was made to be perfect. Humans messed that up. But then God sent sent the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life, and 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 then die for us to to give us an opportunity to, to get back to to God. So I think, you know, it's it's tough to hear the whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. And that's talking when it says life here, um, you know, it doesn't mean that whoever rejects whoever rejects the 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 life of Jesus is going to be struck down on the on the spot. What it's saying here is they won't have eternal life. So that's that's tough to hear for some people, but um, you know it's it's again it's the ultimate authority. The truth of God's word is that if you don't accept the the word of God and the gospel, the you know the sacrifice, the life and death of Jesus, then you know, like I said, you will not see life, and God's wrath remains on them. So yeah, yeah, I guess I did kind of talk a lot there, but again, I mean, really, just read the verse and you get the message right there. Well, you said your the point you made about God sending people to hell, I probably going to make a controversial statement here, but God sends people to sends those to hell because he loves us ultimately because God's love would not be perfect if he was not also just and true. Those who love him and sacrifice their life for him, because what did Jesus say? Um, if you lose your, lose your life for me, you'll, you will gain life for me. You'll gain, you'll gain eternal life. Yes. So we have to lose our lives in some ways. Um, to truly follow him and God would not love us um, with the love he does if he did not punish those who, who did not um, hmm. love him. So it, it, a form, it, it is in a form of love, but I, I want to read uh, a little bit of the earlier part of that chapter just to give some, um, some more context and background on eternal life and that difference that you were describing. So I'm just going to read, honestly, from the beginning of three. It's not too long. Um, Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of the water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. 
You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Okay, did you catch that analogy there? That's mm, about the wind. The wind yeah. blows wherever it pleases. And in the chosen, it actually showed uh, Jesus was basically like, you don't see the wind, do you? Well, you know it's you know it's real. You know it's there. It's kind of the same thing with the Holy Spirit. You don't see it physically, um, but that's how we know that we're saved. So I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep on going. So verse nine, how can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you don't understand these things. Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone believes, may, everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. So I'm going to stop there. But that's that gives us a more full picture of the mm-hmm. difference between being saved and not being saved and God and the earth and eternal life and eternal separation. What does Jesus say that we have to be in order to be saved? You know, to believe. Yes. But what, but what do we have to go through? We just talked, we, I just read it there. What was Nicodemus not understanding? Like, how does that work? What was he saying? That we, uh, you must be born again. Born again, yeah, yeah. Nicodemus is like, how? Like, you can't go back in your mother's womb. How are you going to be born again? Right. But it's a rebirth of the spirit. It's a rebirth of yeah. our innermost being. You know, what are we like? What are we desiring? You know what I mean? It's a complete shift of a paradigm almost. And hmm. I know, like personally, personal examples. I guess an anecdotal thing, but people that I come across that are born again, you can tell. You can see it in their eyes. You can see it in their demeanor. You can tell how they carry themselves. You can tell everything they do is coming from a place of love. And why is that? Because God is living inside of them. And, Hmm. I mean, maybe you could speak to that with with experiences you've had, but this being born again is such a massive turn. It's like a complete new life within you. And I think that that is a a great section of, of John three there. And it gives a more even complete picture to 31 to 36 that we were reading. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really well said. I don't, I don't think I really have anything else to add. I think, you know, I've seen the same sort of thing. Um, you know, if just the difference that, that a person's life, you know, the evidence of their life that shows that they've been saved, um, that they've been truly saved. Obviously, I think we talked about this in another podcast, the difference between being truly saved and, you know, kind of putting that label on of being a Christian, just if it suits your needs. But it's about truly being born again and truly believing and living out um, the message of God. Uh, and that shows true, true, like you said, true rebirth. Um, so, yeah, I think I think you covered that really well. And I think, yeah, the, the added context is definitely helpful to kind of see this this these six verses in in the bigger picture yeah and i want to also read just to finish this up um a section of second john and it's it talks about how do we know that we're really of god how do we know that we're children of god and this is what he says and this is love that we walk in obedience to his commands 
as you've heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Um, oftentimes it's tough to tell, um, you know, who, who around you really, really loves the Lord. And sometimes, you know, we ask ourselves, like, how do we, how can we express to God in the best way that, that we love him? And the answer right here is obedience. So, Hmm. and being born again, like I said, it's a process, like, you know, the process of sanctification. Um, that's, that's a whole process, but I just process, the process is going to make it easier just like working out a muscle, the more that you that you work out, it's it's gonna make it easier. Um, you know, also there there still will be challenges because you know you're gonna increase the weight or increase the the amount of reps. And but but as you do an exercise more, you're gonna become more, um, you know, well versed in it, more comfortable doing it, and kind of kind of in the same way. I don't know if this is the best comparison, but like the the more time you spend getting closer to God, the easier it's going to be then to, like that verse said, to live in obedience. Yeah, and I think to, I mean, we're going to end the episode here soon, but just to end it off, um, I want to read one more, and it's, this is in First John, so we've been jumping around between the Johns, but First um, mm-hmm. John um, verse 1 says everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God and everyone who loves the father also loves those born of him by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome because everyone born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith so that's the way we overcome the world we overcome the world with our obedience and understanding yep that his commandments are not burdensome. How does the world look at God's commands? Like they say, oh, Christianity is just a bunch of rules. Like it's all about rules. <laughs> but we take... They would say it's burdensome, yeah. <laughs> right, but we take joy in his commands. You know what I mean? We love them because we know that that's what lifts us up. That's what... And it's what, what God designed for us too. That's what brings eternal peace and happiness and joy. We may <laughs> sacrifice temporary pleasure but we're moving towards eternal peace and unity with God. And these commands bring That's us really joy. Well yeah. You know what I mean? That That is yeah. the, yeah, that is like the credo here. So that's, I wanted to end on that. Like I mm. said, first John um, five chapter one and, or no, sorry, I'm a little bit woozy right now. I'm slightly <laughs> tired. First John five verse one through five. So, okay. That's what yeah. I wanted to end this episode on, but just, Anything else you want to say before we wrap this up? No, I think I think you really wrapped it up really well there that, you know, the world will see this as us making sacrifices, which I mean, yeah, it is sacrifices, but they're they're worth it to make because of because of the reward that we get, um, whether it's in this life or the next one day we will be rewarded and will, you know, I mean, when you when you have that closeness to God and you're obedient to him, I mean, even if you're going through tough times in life, I've I've noticed that just being able to lean on God is it makes it easier to go through those tough times. And the closer, you know, it, it's kind of all connected. The more obedient you are to God, the more close you're going to be to Him. And the closer you are to God, the more obedient you're going to be to Him. So it's kind of like a circle. Yes. Um, in that respect. So yeah, and I mean when when those are both in in good good standing, your obedience and your closeness to God, then. You know, I'm not saying you're not going to experience tough times. That that would be an outright lie. But it will. You will have a 
you know, almost like a, like a cane or, you know, a walker or something to, to lean on for support. You'll have that support and, you know, better than, <laughs> I thought you were going to say a cane, like that's have a cane, like cane enable to lean on, like have an old cane around. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> and not a, not a candy cane either. <laughs> well, if you had a giant candy cane, you probably could lean on it. Yeah, you probably could. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe take a lick, cheer you up a little bit, get a little sugar rush. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, you're you're making me wish it was Christmas time again now. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, I think it's a good place to wrap up. I really, I really love that um, that scripture there. That's uh, Hmm. really powerful. First, I love I love the ones that you added too. Yeah, Uh, I mean that was yeah, man, that gave me some life just now. That really lifted me up. So Hmm. it's a good episode. Same here. Um, You know, me and Pete have a little bit of a busy week this week, so we kind of wanted to grind this episode out. I hope we uh, we brought we brought you guys some value, Um, and. We are so grateful for everybody listening. One thing I do want to say is that we would love it if you guys would leave a rating. If you read it, leave us a rating on Apple or Spotify podcast, it'll help us gain some more traction. It'll, they'll start promoting it um, and just get the message out there more. It takes five seconds. You literally go and tap the stars. Give us a rating. Follow the podcast. And thank you so much for listening. We hope you stick around for next week's episode. Stay tuned. But for now, that's episode 10 of the books. And with that being said, we will see you guys next week. Peace out. Peace.